Open up your Bibles to the book of Habakkuk. The book of Habakkuk, if not, we have provided it on the screens for you. An Old Testament prophet. The book of Habakkuk is actually only three chapters, so I'm going to encourage you to read it. You can do that, right? Praise the Lord Jesus. You don't got to do it right now. We're only going to read three verses from it. But the three chapters you can take on on your own time. But Habakkuk, and we've been talking about this, some of you guys might know, but he was in the middle of a transition. How ironic, huh? Let me tell you, I knew we was going to land here the whole time. <laughs> I knew coming through those waves, we were going to land here. He was in the middle of a transition during his time that he didn't understand. As a matter of fact, there was about to be a transition from the Assyrian reign into the Babylonian reign who had taken oppression over Israel. But they were in a transition and he was crying out to God. If you read it, the context of Habakkuk, he's almost like crying out to the Lord in frustration because he doesn't understand why the righteous are being oppressed. And God says, don't worry, I'm going to bring judgment on the Babylonians just as I did on the Syrians. But I'm going to use it to move Israel where I need them to go. That, that Genesis said, it sound like us. Praise the Lord. That's right. I want to tell you, God is using what's around you to bring you to where he really wants you to be. And so church, I'm letting you know right now, we are landing on the other side today. Are you ready? If you haven't been here, I'm going to inform you. God has been setting you up to take you somewhere. And you're going to land there today. It's no coincidence why you walked in today. It's no accident. Dwelling Place Church, these nine years haven't been an accident. God's been setting us up to land here today. And so after some frustration and, and, and after some uh, 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 things that Habakkuk couldn't understand, God speaks to him because Habakkuk's running his mouth in chapter one. You ever been running your mouth a little too long? Just a little bit? And so Habakkuk is running, you know, he's running his mouth, God, and all this stuff like that. And he's a little bit confused and he's bringing up the, the, the current issue. He's bringing up what's in front of him. It's good that you see what's in front of you. It's important. You got to acknowledge it. But don't stay there too long. And so he's, he's, he's running his mouth. And finally we get to chapter two and God's like, turn to your neighbor, just go gracefully, gracefully, gracefully. No disrespect in the house, but gracefully. God said, I heard you, now I need you to hear me. And so we're going to pick up in Habakkuk chapter 2, beginning at verse 2. Actually, we'll just read two verses. You ready? We read the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Church says, Amen. It says, Then the Lord answered me. God said, I heard you out. Now hear me out. Look what he, Then the Lord answered me and said, Right Division. Tell your neighbor, right? Division. He goes on to say, then the Lord says, and make it plain on tablets. Make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. We're going to read verse 3 and we'll end there. And I want you to believe this for anyone who's already, who already has a vision. 
who's already put some time into the vision. You put some work into it. You've been trying to build something. You've been trying to lift something up. Possibly that's your life you've been trying to fix. Possibly that's your family. Anyone here is working on building their life? Anyone here working on building their family? Anyone here working on building a career or a business and you, you've been working? I want to give you some words of encouragement because I know, I know this is true. We don't like to admit it. But anyone who has ever tried to build something, especially if it's been inspired by God, we don't like to admit this, but we all get tired. We all get tired. And sometimes you need a word to encourage you in the middle of building so that you can finish what you set out to do. Let this verse, Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3, be some inspiration because this is what happens when we get tired. We get discouraged and when we get tired, we slow down. And when we get tired, sometimes you got to put the hammer down. Sometimes you got to put the screwdriver down. Sometimes you got to take your foot off the gas pedal. But when we get tired, then it appears that it's delayed. And sometimes we get so tired that we don't even think we're going to finish it. You ever felt like you weren't going to finish it? I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you there were days where I didn't think we were going to finish this. Now, I know I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to be prayed and fasted up. Even being prayed up, fasted up, there are days where I have doubted. There are days when I just grew tired. There were days where I just, I couldn't see the end. But this is the word of God to me. This is the word of God to you. This is the word of God to the church. I want to declare it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. The vision doesn't come to life the minute that the vision is birthed in your heart. The vision is for appointed time. The vision takes time. So you're going to need endurance. But look what it says, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. If you keep on, church, if we keep on, TDP leaders, if we keep on, TDP staff, brother, my sister, if you keep holding on, though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. That's the word of the Lord. You guys may be seated. Thank you so much. Thank you, Adi. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, team members. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. I want to share with you, this is not my intro, but it's my transition. This church has never been about one person. I hope you know that. It doesn't matter if one person holds the mic more than the other. It doesn't matter if one person sings more than the other. It doesn't matter if one person gets more acknowledgement than others. This vision has never been about one person. And if you're coming here and it's the first day, then that's the first thing that I want to teach you. It's never been about one person, but it's always been about one God. It's always been about one God who's given one vision to us. And vision is powerful. It was a couple of months ago back in February where we knew we were going to be getting to the month of August where we would celebrate the anniversary of the church. And we knew we were coming on nine years. And throughout those nine years, we focused on many things. We've, got, we've gotten very creative. We've had so many, thing, so many themes. We had so many different ways to come and, and, and represent the vision and, and, and share it. And this year was no different. We knew that we had to speak about vision. And over the next few minutes, I want to speak to you about the power of revision. Tell your neighbor, the power of revision. The power of revision. Has anyone ever stopped you in the middle of your tracks and asked you, how did you get to where you're at right now? 
Have you ever been stopped? Someone ever looked at you? Sometimes it's out of admiration where, you know, you're in the middle of something, maybe a conversation in the middle of doing something, and they just say, hold up, brother, hold up, sister. I want to know how did you get here? Sometimes it's something that they admire in you. Sometimes it's because of something that you achieved. Sometimes it's because of something that you built. And they'll ask you, I just need a moment. And there comes the opportunity that we have to talk about all that we did. The number one question that I am personally asked in these past nine years of my life has been this. Why did you decide to be a pastor and start a church? I get that at least one time in the week. And that's when I tell them, brother, sister, this is a long story that you don't have time for, and I don't got enough energy to tell one more time. <laughs> and so one of the things that we did back in February when we were anticipating this time, and we knew that we were going to speak about vision, but under the theme revision, we decided that it would be awesome for us to tell that story, because it's, it's a lengthy story. And and the reason why it's so long, and, and, and we can try to consolidate it, and I have, and trust me, if, if you ask me that question, you probably have, and, I, and we told a little bit, or we had some time to talk, me and my wife or the other pastors, or Daniel Machuca, uh, I, I know they have told you, it's a long story, and they'll cut pieces here, cut pieces there, and we'll, we'll try to give you a condensed version so you can capture it. Uh, but we decided that we wanted to tell as much of that story as, uh, as possible, and so by next week, we're going to have a full documentary of how this church began. Anybody excited about that? So I'm just letting you know, so after church, when you say, Pastor, I love being here today. Why did you become a pastor? I'm going to tell you, next week, you're going to find out. (laughs) Today, let's just greet and hug and celebrate and eat some pastries and bread in the back. How did you get to where you're at? There's always the opportunity when asked, how did you arrive to the place that you're standing to talk about yourself? I have that chance to talk about, well, this is what I did, and this is what, what, you know, what I, I believed, and this is how, how, how I said it. But truth be told, I want to be honest with you, and I will answer that question to that day. How did I get here? I want to tell you that the, how did we get here today, it's because of vision. How did, Pastor Ezekiel, what, what do you do? How, how do you create it? What did you work on? How do you set it up? How do you line up? No, 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 no. We got here because of vision. Now I want to tell you this. You get places because of vision. If you feel stuck, I dare you to get some vision. If you feel you can't move right now, I dare you to find vision. If you feel stagnant and you haven't moved in a long time, I dare you to trust God and invite him into your heart. And I guarantee you that God will give you vision. Vision takes you places. Vision gets you moving. Vision has a way of bringing inspiration. Vision, vision, vision. Nothing else. How did I get here? It wasn't my smarts. Pastor Zeke, you seem like a smart young man. I'll be honest with you. It wasn't my smarts. It was vision. Pastor Zeke, you seem pretty uh, like a nice guy, handsome and charismatic. It wasn't that. I like when I get those compliments. But it, it wasn't that. I wasn't always cute. 
I wasn't always doing 2,000 burpees a month, which I did last month. The burpees didn't get us here. The vision did. It's funny because when people ask us how did we arrive, we, we tend to look at ourselves and start pulling out all these amazing things and, oh, yeah, I was really smart and I studied and I met that person and I had this great... No, 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 no. Because we all know many times those great plans we had after we run them two months, they don't work. It's vision that brought us here. Vision has carried us here. If there's anything that's been faithful, it's been vision. It hasn't been people. It hasn't been my character. It hasn't been my attitude. Oh, well, you, just, you guys just have the best attitude, and that's how you did it. No, it wasn't the best attitude. It wasn't our wits. It wasn't the structures. It was the vision. Do you have vision? Today, I believe, is a season where God wants to birth vision inside of you. Vision, I want to speak that over you. Vision, vision, vision. Vision will carry you. Vision will hold you. Vision will, this is, here's the first thing I'm going to teach you right off the back. Vision produces purpose. Take a picture, write it down. Vision produces purpose. If, if you ever felt like your life was without meaning, if you ever felt that you had no purpose, if you felt that you were just flowing with the days as they came, I, I, I bet you if you search, it's because it's, there's no vision inside of you. And if you would allow vision to give birth in the spirit of your, of your being, you will find purpose. So, Pastor, how do you get here? Pastor, you have amazing, I see you, I see you operating in purpose. I see you walk, walking in purpose. Oh, oh, how, how'd you do it? The vision produced the purpose. Vision precedes purpose. Vision precedes purpose. If you get vision, you'll find direction. If you get vision, you'll find a path. If you get vision, you'll get clarity. If, if you get vision, what was dark turns into light. Vision. Say that with me. Vision produces purpose. And I want to tell you this. Sight is different than vision. Sight is different than vision. If you look in a dictionary online, no one uses Webster's no more unless it's the online one, right? No one opens it up no more, but you search it, right? If, if you look up sight and you look up vision in a regular dictionary, they are synonymous with each other. That's what the dictionary tells us in the natural. Both of them are the state and the power to be able to see, but that's in the natural. In the natural, sight and vision are the same. But if you look in the scriptures, if you look in the Bible, there's a difference between sight and vision. In the Bible, sight, or in the natural, sight is, is the ability and the power to see what's in front of you. But biblically, if you look at vision, vision is the power and the ability to see what's ahead of you. So, yes, 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 yes. Sight is very important because you need to see what's in front of you. You got to be able to acknowledge what's there. But eventually, you need to be able to transition. If you're ever going to do something in God, if you're ever going to fulfill purpose, you need to transition from sight into vision. You got to be able to see more than what's in front of you. And you got to be able to look past it. You got to be able to see through it. And you got to be able to see what's ahead of you. Vision goes beyond sight.
In the natural, they're synonymous. But in the spiritual, there's a great dis- difference. Sight is a good starting place. Sight, sight is a good starting place. Because sight is reality, and many of us live in denial. We, we live in denial of what's in front of us, and because we deny what we see, that is the thing that actually keeps us from really moving forward. We deny it, we ignore it, we pretend like it doesn't exist, and then we wonder why things don't work. There are some things that are in front of you that you need to fix. There are some things in front of you that you do need to correct. There are things in front of you that you do need to change. There are habits right in front of you that you need to stop. Some of them are as simple as just wake up on time. You thought I was going to go deep and say something about fasting for 40 days. Just wake up on time. Uh, This is just how I am. That is just how you are, and that's just how you've been for the past 20 years, and that's why you are where you are. That's why you've been seeing the same thing over and over again. And because you won't fix what is in plain sight, you're never able to see what's ahead in vision. So, so, so I've been talking about transition. I've been talking about the other side. I've been talking about for the past week, people like, Pastor, you're beating a dead horse already. We get it. We got to get to the other side. But this is the other side. I'm going to tell you. What is the transition? What is the other side? The transition is from sight into vision. From sight into vision. God wants to show you something that he's always had locked up in his will that you've never seen before. And this is the season. If you would open up your eyes, acknowledge what's right in front of you in plain sight, make some adjustments, make some corrections, make some changes, be willing to shift, and then God says, then I'll release to you the vision that I've always had for you. And in vision, there is purpose. That's why we've been lost. But this is the other side. We need to be people of vision. Vision changed my life. Pastor, did it really? Yes, it did. If I didn't have vision, I'm, I'm almost sure, I can almost guarantee you that I would not be in this building today. Because According to the sight that I was seeing and how I was living, I, I, I had my own plans. This is the thing. When you only have sight, you revolve your life around what you see. And, and I would have never even looked in this direction if it had not been for vision revealed by God. I, I was okay with how I was living. Me and my family were okay with what we were doing. We weren't bad people. We weren't crazy. We, we were serving in the church. I think that's a good thing. You should serve. Sign up today. <laughs> Team seven, go. And, and then we start validating your visits, and then you'll be part of the team. Do it now. But, but I was, we were okay. We had family. We had career. We had work. We even had ministry that, that, that we're serving in. 
But what caused us to end up over here wasn't the sight. What caused us to move out of comfort, what caused us to move and step into more, what caused us to make changes was vision that was calling us to another place, that was calling us to transition. And so God wants to move you from sight to vision. The prophet Habakkuk is in the middle of a transition, and he doesn't understand it. He just sees what's in front of him. He has sight, and he's talking about what he sees in chapter 1. But then God pauses him and says, enough talking. Uh, Trust me, I already know what you see, And, 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 and I'll listen for a little bit. But eventually in your prayer, eventually in your cries, you need to close your mouth and then allow me to speak some vision into you. This is a season for you to stop complaining, stop crying, and open your heart and say, God, I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to let you speak. And so God in Habakkuk chapter 2, he says this, write the vision. Write the vision. Write the vision. And God introduces vision to Habakkuk. He says, I, I know you already see what you see. I, I, know you already see, I know you see what's in front of you. That's the power of sight. But now I want you to see what's ahead of you. And that's the power of vision. And the vision that I give you, I need you to write it. Tell your neighbor, write it down. But he's very specific. He says, write the vision. He doesn't say, write what you see. He says, write the vision. He doesn't say, give me a list of what's in front of you. He doesn't say, he says, write the vision. He doesn't say, write the past. He doesn't say, write, write, write the pains. He doesn't say, write the problems. He doesn't say, write the limited resources. He doesn't say, write the frustrations. He doesn't say, give me a list of all the people that wronged you. He doesn't say, tell me everyone that's offended you. He doesn't say, I want to know all the people that left you. He doesn't say, I want to remind me what happened to you when you were six and when you were seven. He doesn't say, write the past. He says, write the vision. Too many times when we come to God, we're giving him a list of the past and the pains and the problems and and the obstacles. He doesn't say write the obstacles. He doesn't even say write how much it's going to cost. He doesn't say write, tell me, write how much it's going to take to build it. He doesn't say, tell me how many years you got to go to school. He says write. The vision, what you need to do is get in the habit of writing where you want to go so you can get your mind off of where you've been stuck in, but you got to write the vision. Got that from Bishop Jakes. He said, write it. You got to write it. You got to write it. But we're stuck. We're stuck in what we've seen and we're stuck in our past. Let me tell you this. There's a relationship that'll never work. There's a relationship that, that, that don't, it's not even worth them dating. 
It's not even worth setting up an appointment with those two. It's not worth getting dressed up for it. It's not worth putting it on your calendar. These two will never, never, never date well. And, and, and the problem is they have never dated well, but we have married them. And that is vision in your past. You, you got to stop taking vision and your past on a date and, and see if they're going to get along and see if they're going to come to agreement and see if they can make things work. Let me tell you this. Your past will never agree with your vision. So stop getting dressed up. Stop making appointments in your mind. Stop taking it to bed at night. Stop thinking about it in the morning. Stop taking it on lunch dates. Stop taking it to work with you. You in work complaining where you're at, complaining where you've been. And God said, that ain't never going to work. I got vision that I'm trying to put into you, but you keep taking it on morning breakfasts. You keep taking it on job conversations. Those two ain't never going to get along. Your problem is that you got vision married with Dayton. I mean, vision married with your past. Doesn't work. This is why you fight with yourself more than you fight with anyone. Think about it. What you fighting about? What you crying about? Most of the time, it's, it's, it's your past fighting with your future. End the dating. And let me tell you this. I'll go one step further. Vision doesn't want, doesn't want to have anything to do with your past. It don't want to sit down and, and have time with, with that conversation. And I'll go one step further now. Vision will only have one conversation with your present. Okay? Vision don't want to have nothing to do with your past. Don't try to make them talk. They never work out. And vision will only have one conversation with your present. What's that? The only conversation that vision wants to have with your present, and it's really from vision to you, and this is what vision will say to your present. It says this, I'll take you just as you are. That's it. Don't, 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 don't start, your present start telling vision, oh, but this is what's going on right now. Vision will only have one conversation. And it's, I'll take you just as you are. But, 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 but vision... Things are not in order right now. Vision says, I will take you just as you are. But, but vision, I'm a little messed up. Vision says, I'll take you as you are. But vi vision, you know, I, I don't got much going for me. What, what, what I built so far is so small and insignificant. And vision says, I'll, I'll shut up. Shut up, present. I'll I'll take you just as you are. That's the only conversation that vision cares to have with your present. But, 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 it's, but, it, but it's nothing right now, and I'm nothing right now, and I'm not smart enough right now, and I don't have the wits right now, and I don't have the education right now, and, and I don't have the money right now, because your present is looking at vision, and vision looks big right now, and you're like, but, 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 but I, don't, I don't think I could go there. Vision said, I'll take you just as you are. Just keep your mouth shut. The other prophet, Zechariah, in chapter 4, verse 10, said this. Do not despise these small beginnings. 
for, for, for the Lord rejoices to see the work. That's what it says, Zechariah 4.10. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work. Vision, vision, that's what vision will tell you. Shut up. I'll take you small and all. I'll take you with the little knowledge you have right now. I'll take you with the little education you have right now. I'll take you with the little mind you have right now. I'll take you with the wounds. I'll take you. I'll, I'll take you. I'll take you with the hurts. I'll take you with the frustrations. But that's all vision will tell you. So I'll take you just as you are right now. And that's a beautiful thing. Because I know that you thought in order to have great wisdom, you needed a great beginning. But the word says, do not despise small beginnings. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. Don't, don't count a small beginning out. And, and the reason why many of you haven't moved forward into the big vision that you have is because when you look in front of you, what's there is small. It's, 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 it's a big idea, but you got small pieces in front of you to build. Many of us, you don't even know how to build. When I received the vision of the church, I, I thought God was crazy. I said, God, you, you brought the wrong man to the altar to reveal the vision. You had to be thinking of someone else in this church. And, 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 and when God revealed, it was March 28, 2008, and we were youth pastors in New York, and we were going to have a, a, a service for the young people, for the youth ministry. And so me, my wife, and Daniel Machuca, he was the president at the time. We prayed right before the service began. God bless everyone. Let everyone come. Let your spirit be in this place. Do something great. And after we finished praying, I went to the altar. I said, honey, I'm going to go pray by myself. I went, and I kneeled at the altar on the side, and I went and prayed. And as I was praying there, God gave me a big vision. And so... He gave me a vision, and then my past started talking, and God said, uh-uh, I ain't hearing that. I'm like, God, but you, you don't, don't know, like, who I am, where I was, wh where I came from, my, my, my past education, my past insecurities, and God said, I don't even want to hear that right now. And then, and then I said, okay, you ain't going to talk to my past. I said, okay, can, can my present speak? Can my, can my, can my, can my present day get a word with you, Lord? And I'm like, but God, how? God, why? That's my present talking. He shows me a vision that's beyond the capacity of my mind. And I tell the Lord, not me. I literally told the Lord after seeing the vision of the church that he revealed to me. I told them. I said, that, that's for Joyce Meyer. <laughs> I know she's already started, but just move her on in. Like, let her take over that. Just put her logo on that, on that thing that I saw, and I'll pray for it, and I'll I support the vision. Then I tell the Lord, I said, that's Bishop Jakes, Daddy Jakes, the goat. That's, that's all him. And God said, do you, know the, do you know the difference between? I'm like, I clearly do know the difference. I said, the only difference is that I showed them big vision, too. But right now, your present and your past is running his mouth too much. And, and they didn't know how. They didn't know where. They, they didn't have that all figured out. They didn't have all the resources, all the people, all the connections in the beginning. But they said yes. 
And so what I need from you is not your present frustration and your present inabilities and your present weaknesses and struggles and your confusions. I just need your present to say yes, and then we got a date. Then we could turn this into a marriage. So I got up and I said yes, and I said, I don't know how. I don't know even why. I can't even say I really want this. But God, I know that this is you, and so I'm not going to deny it. And I say, yes. And let me tell you, it was a smaller beginning than I ever could have imagined. It was small in every kind of way. You'll hear the full story next week. But look where we are right now, church. Thank you, Jesus, for where we are right now. I know you don't understand the capacity of that because you kind of had to be there to know. But it's the same that's true for you. Look where you are right now. Would you just celebrate what God has done in your life? I mean, five years ago, you didn't look like this. Seven years ago, you didn't look like this. Ten years ago, you didn't look like this. Thank you, Jesus. But he goes on to say in that same verse after he tells him to write it down. He said to make it plain. Write the vision and make it plain. This is where the problem for many of us uh, begin because, okay, we write it down. We, we, we embrace it. We say yes to it. We allow our present to embrace the vision that God's speaking. But God's instruction is very clear. He said write the vision down. Don't write about your past. Write about where, where, where you want to go. Write about wh what I'm calling you to write, what, what I'm showing you. Write that. But here's the key, people. This is a huge key. You got to make it plain. The reason why many of us have embraced vision but it's gotten nowhere is because you complicated it more than it needed to be. <laughs> you, you complicated it much, much more than you needed it to be. And this is how we complicate vision. We say yes to it, and then we try setting it up. You ever done that? I mean, sometimes um, a game plan is good, but sometimes a game plan is not what you need. Because here's the problem with a game plan. Sometimes we put dates on things. We start pro projects. We put deadlines. We put, we going to talk to this person at this time and speak to this person in this year and meet that person at that time. And you're going to have this amount of money by this amount of time. And we're going to open up this facility over here and put the office over there. And, and we start setting it up. And then we say, we're going to have this and we're going to have that. And guess what happens? Usually God-given God -given visions don't go according to our plan. And now the problem is it's more complicated than it is plain. And so I want to tell you this. Here's the next thing. This is, you got to trust vision. You don't have to, this is good. You don't always have to understand it in its entirety, but you got to trust it till it's full measure. You got to trust God's vision. So look at this. If you set it up too much with your little mind, if you set it up with your, your you're not sovereign, you're not omniscient, and you try to guess how it's going to go, and you, and you set it up on paper thinking this is how it's going to roll out, and when it doesn't, it'll mess you up. So this is what you need to know about vision. Follow it in a plain way. Write it, make it plain. You got to trust God as you walk in the vision. And here's the next thing that vision produces. 
Vision produces wisdom. Vision produces wisdom. As you are faithful to the journey of the vision, wisdom will come by experience. True wisdom has been created by experiences. If you got a book on wisdom and you start reading it, you know how that book was produced? All those amazing quotes and all those amazing sayings and all those amazing lessons. It was produced by someone who had an experience. And because of their wisdom, they're able to pass on to you what you can receive as knowledge. Knowledge can be learned. Wisdom comes through experience. And so as you trust the vision, God will give you experiences that will make you wiser. And so sometimes our problem is that we have set it up with our small amounts of knowledge towards God's sovereignty. We, we, we set it up according to our plans in absence with knowing God's true plan and how he was going to work some things out on his end. And that we've complicated it to the point where we're lost in it. Are you lost right now in the middle of vision? It might be because you've overcomplicated. Some of the most stressful times of this ministry throughout these years is when we try to second guess our every move. Is when we try to anticipate and say, oh, we gonna do this and we gonna do that and he gonna do that and then we gonna do this and then we gonna do that. And when that stuff didn't start happening, next thing you know, some experiences start that cause some gray hairs, but the experience of going through it is what caused the wisdom that we needed to move forward. Trust the vision as you walk in it. Anyone who's ever built something, who has found some kind of success will tell you, in the end, I should have just trusted the vision. I should have just trusted God's process. Because let me tell you this, you can never figure it out. You can never figure out every corner, every move, you can't figure out, project every month. You can't. You just got to trust that you are walking in faith according to God's plan. And he will give you experiences that will make you wiser. We complicate it before it starts. How is going to happen? And since we don't have all the answers to its complexity, sometimes then we conclude that we don't know enough to begin. But I learned that wisdom, that vision produces wisdom. This is what wisdom does. Wisdom takes the complicated and makes it comprehensible. That's what, that's what, that's what wisdom produced in vision does. It takes the complicated and makes it comprehensible. You ever spoke to someone that was wise that you consider wise? Why you talk to them? Why you even say, hey, I want to talk to you. I know you're wise. Why even pick up the phone call and call somebody, a pastor, a mother, a friend, a spiritual, you know, parent? Because what's in front of you is a bit complicated. And isn't it amazing how you can sit in front of that person and you go there with a mess of things? I mean, you got stuff flipping over there, stuff flipping over there. Your minds, your thoughts are all upside down. You can't see. You don't know the end from the beginning. And then you sit with them and just five minutes, 
They took what was complicated and made it comprehensible for you. That's wisdom. That's wisdom. I know we're stepping to a season of wisdom now too. Where we try to figure things out so much. Some were good. A lot of them didn't work. We don't talk about that. Shh, you never talk about that stuff, Pastor. Shh. Don't tell them now, Pastor. Oh, we, we, we had messed up programs. You didn't even know it. You didn't know it. But sadly, we paid for it. We had, we had messed up leadership training. You didn't know it. But the church paid for it. We had bad strategies, bad ideas, bad series titles. We had it all. Bad designs. We, we didn't know it. But we paid for it. But I thank God because it's taught us wisdom. And so everything that seemed like a past failure is really an opportunity to grow from and to become wiser. And so I'll tell you, wisdom will produce, vision will produce wisdom. And I want to tell you this. It's good, hear me now. It's good that your vision gets tested. Yes, it is. It's good that someone will test your vision. Oh, you don't like, I don't like it either. I don't like when someone tries to try my vision. You ever been called out on your vision? Where you, you come and you got this great plan, you got this amazing thing that you're going to do for the Lord Jesus Christ and all the saints? You, have a, you ever have a vision that the angel's going to rejoice, sing another song? And, and, and as, the, as you're in the middle of casting vision, as you're in the middle talking about how you feel called by God, how you're how, how you telling them that this is what God called you to do and that you're going to build this and you're going to do that, has, ever, has anyone ever been tried at their vision? Ooh, man, I almost punched a few people in the middle of casting vision about the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to tell you right now, when people test your vision, it's good. We, we don't like the feeling when someone tries to call you out and says, well, I don't think that's going to work. When, when someone tells you, are your motives really right? Is that really going to work? Can you, can you really do that? I know, I know it doesn't feel good, but it's good that vision is tested. It's good that someone will try you and call you out on your vision. Because you know what it does? It causes you to rethink your vision. And it might not be good that they don't have faith in you, but it's always good when you rethink about your vision. You have to, I want to tell you right now, you have to always, you got to write it. You do, you have to write it. You got to make it plain so that everyone can run with you about it. But you always, always, always have to rethink about it. Why? Because when you initially receive a vision and when you write it down, you write, you try to describe what you saw. But as you walk in it, vision produces wisdom. 
And so as you're walking, you're getting wiser. As you're walking, you're getting smarter. As you're walking in the vision, you are growing. And so this is what you need to do. When you first wrote it, you had one mind. But now out of being faithful to it for a couple of years and growing smarter, it's always good that you rethink it. It's always good that you revise it. It's always good that you go back for a revision. Why? Because when you go back to it, you can make it better. Every vision could be made better. You could always approach something a little bit better. And this is why we don't like people to call us out about our vision. Because we like to think that we're doing it right, right now. This is the best way to do it. Shut up. Of course, this is the best volunteer program we have. Of course, we have the best operating systems that, right now. Of course, I have the best struggle. Of course, this is the, the best. We get defensive. We got to defend the vision that we have. Of course, this is the best way to do it. Of course, I thought about it. We don't like it, but it challenges us to go back home and after they walk away, be like, oh, am I really thinking about that right? Is that really the best system? Is, is this really the way? It's good. It's good to be tested. Do you know that Jesus was tested in his vision? And, and, and if anyone had vision right, it was Jesus. If anyone had vision right, it was Jesus. And you know how we know that Jesus had it right? I'm going to drop a secret on you. We could talk about it later, a longer discussion. But Jesus was God. Amen. Just say amen. Praise the Lord. Believe it in faith. Jesus was God. The Bible tells us in, in John 1 verse 14, and, 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 and the, the Bible tells us, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. It tells us that in, in, in John chapter 1, the first verses. And the word became flesh. God's word became flesh. Jesus was God. So we know that Jesus had the vision right. But even Jesus was tested in his vision. Let's read. You want to read? In Matthew chapter 22, beginning at verse 35, it says this. Matthew chapter 22, beginning at verse 35, it says this. It says, one of them, an expert in the law. In other words, an expert at analyzing vision. An expert at knowing how things are supposed to work. An expert at understanding the religious system. An expert at understanding God, so to say. An expert in the law tested him with a question. Now we know that Jesus came to do the will of the Father, fulfilling what? The original vision. What was the original vision of God? The, the original vision of God was to always take people out of bondage and bring them into his glorious light. It was to transform people. It was to save people. It was always about redemption. The vision that God had was always to deliver his sons and daughters. After the fall of man and us being separated with God, God went on a mission with a vision to save us. And so we see that expression of God's uh, ultimate plan of redemption. We see it typified through God trying to save the children of Israel who were in bondage for 400 years under Pharaoh in Egypt. And God calls a man named Moses and says, I'm going to send you in there to deliver my people out. And, and I'm going to deliver them out and bring them and carry them out on eagle's wings to myself. And they're going to go out into the wilderness and they're going to worship me. And I'm going to deliver them and I'm going to set them free. But, in, but for them to be in my freedom, for them to truly be in my purpose, they need to be and follow the vision that I have for them. And so you know what God does? He takes Moses up to Mount Sinai. And Moses is in the mountain 
for 40 days. And in those 40 days, God writes the vision where? On stone tablets. Habakkuk said, write the vision, make it plain, write it on what? Tablets. Vision must always be written down. Because why? You, when, when, when your mind is going left, and when your heart is going right, and you don't know what to think, sometimes your memory doesn't serve you any good. When you're emotional, and you're aggra- aggravated, and you're upset, you, vision becomes blurry. And so God's instruction to keep you moving forward always, whether a good day, whether a bad day, is for you to reflect on the vision. Because let me tell you, things are going to happen where you're going to want to go backwards, but God always wants you moving forward. The only way to move forward is if they're written down on tablets somewhere. And so God said, I have redemption for my people. I just made a way for them out of nowhere. I opened up a Red Sea for them to go forward in. But I know they will always want to go back if they don't have the vision in front of them. So God said, Moses, go up into the mountain. Write the vision. And God wrote the vision on stone tablets. And Moses came down with the tablets and said to the people, here's the vision. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten commandments. Can you remember? Ten commandments. Make sure you get it right. Ten, ten, ten commands. It's written. Why? So that when, when, you think you, well, when you think about slipping up and running backward, no, no, I always got a forward motion. And so God, he says, I'm going to write them for you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Division written down on tablets so the people can read it and run with it. And so the vision, hear me, becomes the law to live by. This is how we live. This is where we're going. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul. Right? Honor Sabbath day. Don't make no false gods. Don't bear false witness against your brother. Don't lie about him. Don't, don't cover his wife. Don't do this. Don't do that. This is how we live. So an expert, so right, the, the vision becomes the law to live by. And the verse said, one of them, an expert in the law, an expert what? In the vision. Tested him with this question. Teacher, you will be tested, but it's all good. It's all good. Don't cry. Don't run away. Don't become defiant. Don't say it can't be changed. Don't say leave it alone. It's, this is, it's perfect how it is. Don't, 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 don't. Look what Jesus Teacher, which is the greatest in the law? He's been tested about his very own vision that he wrote years ago because Jesus was God. And it goes on to say, Jesus replied, love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. All right, Jesus, what else? Remember this, 10. This is an expert at the vision. The expert's like, there's there's more. He says, this is the first and the greatest commandment. It goes on to say, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And look what he goes on to say. 
all the law, all the vision, and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Wait a minute. There was, there was ten. There was ten. He got tested about the ten. But Jesus, rather than going through all of them, being tested, being questioned about his own law that he wrote, being questioned about his own tablets that he wrote from his finger, he said, the first is love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul. And the second is to love your neighbor on yourself. And he says, you know what? These two take care of all the rest. So what did Jesus do? He went from vision that was there to revision. He embraced being tested. He embraced his vision being challenged. And he had a split second. I can't imagine what a split second is to Jesus. But by the time he replied, he looked at one, and then he compared it with two, and then he looked at three, and then he looked at four, and he said five, six, and seven are like this, but seven says this, and two says this, but then he looked at eight, and then he looked at nine, he said, but I gave them ten. He said, you know what, if we just love the Lord God with all our heart, mind, and soul, and we love our neighbor on ourselves, this revises it all. Jesus said, you know what? It's a lot more plainer this way. God said, wow. He accepted the test. And he embraced the revision. The power of vision, hear me, is always to get you started. But the power of revision is to get you to the end. You need a vision to start. You need a vision to start. Just write it down plainly. That's why don't waste time trying to figure it all out right now. Your mind can't embrace what God is going to do on the journey. The vision will produce wisdom so that you can go back and revise it so that you can make it to the other side. Vision produces revision. But if you never have nothing down, vision produces revision. That's the last thing. If you never write it down, you have nothing to revise. Trying, look, you're trying to make your life better when you haven't written out an initial plan to get it started. You're trying to make, you're trying to bring revision to a life. You're trying to bring revision to a plan that you never wrote in the first place. And, and we stuck going in swirls, going in twirls, running around the wilderness, lost, trying so many things. That's why this year you want to be a doctor. The next year you want to be an astronaut. Then now you want to be a pastor. Now you want to be a worship leader. You never received initial vision. And therefore, you haven't been given the chance now to revise it. Revision isn't something new. Like Pastor Michael was saying, revision is not throwing out what was there. Revision is all about making it better. Someone say better. better. Now, I know we got a great vision. A great vision started this church. I told you, March 28, 2008, in the service. The vision has brought us this far. 
It has. Vision produces purpose. It's, it's how we all have meaning right now. It's, it's what I live for. It's what my wife lives for. It's what Pastor Michael lives for. It's what Pastor Sarai lives for. It's what Daniel Machuca lives for. It's what Tanya Marie lives for right now. It's what John Lewis, all these people live for. The vision produced purpose, and it's beautiful. But let me tell you this. After walking in it and being faithful for a while, the vision produces wisdom. And back in February when we sat down with the creative meeting and we said, we're going to talk about the vision again. We're going to talk about the vision again. We're going to talk about the vision and tell them what it was and we're going to write it down, make it, write, it, write it down, put it on their hearts and stuff like that, print it on their foreheads in Jesus' name. We're going we're gonna to bury it in them, drill it in them. And we try to do this for nine years, with, well, eight years with our team. We're going to tell them about the vision and God's like, shut up. Your present is talking again. He said, and if you take this nine-year anniversary to talk about all those first years, he said, don't forget, I don't want, real vision doesn't want to talk with your past. He said, clap, move on. What? He said, we're not going to talk about the vision that happened nine years ago. Wisdom has taught you guys something. So what we need to talk about this year, we need to talk about revision. And I remember when we, when we started to discuss, oh, what if we could, 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 could you know, tell the whole story about how we got here and, 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 and we'll tell the vision and we'll, we'll print out the vision and, and put it on the wall and we'll put it on the front of the, front of the door. And then, then we started talking about the thing, but what if we revise it? Then it became challenging. Then it became a little bit intimidating. And I was like, that sounds like a creative idea. But honestly, I was scared. I was scared because you know what I did? I said, wait a minute, the vision's just fine. What's wrong with the vision? What's wrong with it? We just, look where we at. Look what we did. The system's fine. What's wrong with the vision? This is why we're here. And then I realized I was being tested. I was being tested about the vision that we have written down on tablets. And then I realized even Jesus, after being tested, went and revised to make it better. And so as we were getting closer, I knew that we had to rewrite the vision. So, so we can get there, right? Because the only way to get to revision, you need what first? Oh, don't tell me y'all sleeping on me. The only, I'm going to pretend that didn't happen. Don't pay attention. The only way to get revision, you need to have vision first. So, so, so I try to describe the vision that God showed me on March 28, 2008. And this is it. You want to hear it? This became the vision statement of the church. So if uh, the pastor had to know it, the associate pastors had to know it, the team had to know it, the deacons had to know it, we, had to make the, we wanted the leaders to know it, we wanted to make the staff know it, and we said, this is the vision, you got to know it, recite it. So when anyone says, what's the vision of your church, you're able to say it. And so, so I saw this big picture in my head. I said, now we got to write it because we knew it was important. In order to start, you got to write something down. We had that principle. We already knew that from the beginning. If you have a vision, write it down so that whoever reads it can run with it. But we missed the part that said make it plain. One little hiccup in the road. And so this is the vision. Let's go to the vision. This is the original vision. That when we were going to start the church, I said, I got to write the picture that I saw. It was a big picture. Look, it looks like the Ten Commandments already. It goes on to say this. To build a sanctuary 
where thousands can meet God through who? Jesus Christ, encounter his love and restoration, building them up so they too could what? Reach the world around them. What a great vision. It's awesome. It's amazing. Change the slide, Darren, to just a regular preaching one. No, Darren, the regular preaching one. Someone recite the vision to me. Can, to, uh, maybe this will be a collective team effort and we'll get all the words out and I'll take them as credit. Commit who? How many? To build what? Don't feel bad. Some of the pastors can't say it right now. Some of the deacons can't recite it right now. It was a great vision because it was a picture of what I saw, but it wasn't plain. I mean, our, in our like staff meetings and volunteer get-togethers, I mean, we were, we were giving out gas cards to inspire people to memorize the thing. I mean, it, it, was, it was written in such a complicated way, we never put it on the wall. We created small mission statements and we ran with that. But then in our meetings, we were, I, I was like, you guys remember the vision, right? And I would be peeking, looking at a paper too, as I was holding them accountable to it. It wasn't plain. Nonetheless, we knew it in heart. We knew it in spirit. We knew I had a, a picture about it in my mind, and they knew what it was. And, but we could never remember. And I believe... The small detail of the vision not being at the forefront of our mind, I believe it's still being the vision and us still not being able to remember it is what will keep us where we are. But I thank God for revision. And so I started thinking a couple of months ago. Once I finally embraced this time to rewrite the vision, and I realized that for us to get to the next place, we were going to have to rewrite it. Oh, man, I started thinking of stuff. Things were cheesy. I was making words rhyme, trying to make cool points out of them. I, I deleted so many notes, and I remember getting so frustrated. It was like two months in a row where everything in my mind just it, it stunk. I'm sorry. It wasn't good. I'm like, man, I'm try I, how do I consolidate this? I was trying to pull words from the original one to keep it the same. And, 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 I, and, I, and it discouraged me to the point where I almost told the team, didn't tell nobody, let's just keep it the same. But we would have kept it the same to something that no one could remember. Are you keeping something the same that's not really functioning? Because... because you, you, you can't figure out how to redo it, and in your frustration to figure yourself out of it, and, and it's taking a little bit to, to, to really put it together for you to get out, you just, you, you, you're, you're allowing yourself just to stay there? I want, I want to call you to keep, keep trying. Don't give up. So what happened? We were in youth service. I'm sitting there, and I'm happy when we're in youth service, but I'm mad because I still don't got the vision. In my subconscious mind, I'm angry. And Danny Machuca is preaching up a storm. And, and he says something. He says something while he's preaching. 
And, and as he was preaching, oh my, 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 my heart, my, my, I'm like, oh my God, that's it. That's it, that's it, that's it. And, and, and I felt it. I'm like, oh my God, like I couldn't even think of it. But here's Daniel Machuca casting the vision. He doesn't even realize that it's it. And, and, and I, I made a note on my phone. And then a couple of weeks later, Pastor Tanya was preaching. And she was preaching on a Sunday. And she said something. I said, oh my God, there's, there it is again. And, and I see it. And then I knew it. And I took what Danny said. And I, I took what Pastor Tanya said. And I said, oh my God, that, that's what we do already. That's what we believe. We, we just don't have it in the form. Forefront. I mean, we even know slogans. We don't have to do this. We get to do this more than we know the own vision of our church. But this one's going to work. This one's going to make sense. Why? Because this one covers that one. It, it, it doesn't change it. It's just revised. That's what Jesus was saying. These two cover the rest. And so you want to hear it? You want to hear it? It used to be to build a sanctuary where thousands can meet God through Jesus Christ and count his love and restoration, building them up so they too can reach the world, the, the world and others around them. Yes, yes, I know, but you ain't going to remember that. You ain't going to remember that. But this one is all about that. And this is what it's always been. This is what it's been naturally, organically. And so I realized that the vision has to be why you exist. Trust me, if you're really following vision, it'll be, it'll be your reason for your existence because in vision, what produces purpose. And so I want you to know that TDP, we exist to love people how God loves people. That is, that is, I was trying to say it, but... Words like sanctuary complicated it, and words like thousands made us feel bad when there were only, you know, 50 of y'all, you know, it was discouraged. See, it was a great vision, but here's the thing, it focused on what was to come. And then every day that we had service, we would compare, we would compare it, you know, what we saw. We were comparing our sight to our vision, and it made us feel bad. And, and it could be a great message, it could be a great worship experience, but I felt bad because it wasn't the thousands. And, and I would feel bad because it wasn't the sanctuary. And I would feel bad because we have green carpets, and I hate green carpets. And, and, and I felt bad because we had glass windows for so long, and we had paper on them, and they turned brown after a year. Because I would feel bad because we didn't have enough money to fix that and that's not the sanctuary that I saw and every time I looked at what was in front of me with my sight it distracted me from the real vision and and rather than making it plain we made it complicated and then we try to second guess everything and when that didn't work even though it was a great service and people got touched we went in the back and we cried about it and said we got to be better and God this ain't working and should I even do this again and then when service was over, no one really came and said, oh, the message is that awesome. No one will come after service and say, you know, worship is just phenomenal. It wasn't always as good now, but it wasn't. But from the beginning, the handful of people that came, see, I was crying because I was like, I saw, I saw thousands, and that's what I wrote, but I only see 23. Go back, cry, be discouraged, right? Then you need so much faith to do it again the next week. Right? But then, this is the one thing that people always did say. 
They didn't say that the lighting was good. They didn't say that the chairs were comfortable. <laughs> they didn't say that the building temperature was exactly where it needs to be. <laughs> I know you're sweating. I'm going to give you all some advice. For anyone who's been coming here for more than three weeks and you're sitting on this side, you's a fool. You need to, you need to, you need to get over to this side of the church. Bring a fan with you to help us out. And we'll stay cool over there. So the carpet color has never been what I wanted it to be. The windows never looked how we wanted them to be. The temperature has never been what it wanted to be. Preaching's never been what we wanted it to be. Sometimes even worship. But there was one thing that people always said before they left. They said, Pastor, I felt the love in that place. I felt the love. And maybe you didn't know it. But gosh, homie, this is why people are going to come. It's really not about the preaching. It is, but it's not. It's not really about the worship. It is, but it's not. It's not really about the slides. It is for us, but it's not. It's really not about the kids' ministry. It is, but it's not. It's not really about the greeters. It is, but it's not. Let me tell you this. Regardless of what you don't have, if you have love, love can always make a difference. Love can always make a difference. Give love. Show love. Embrace someone who hasn't been loved. And I guarantee you that it's going to make a difference. God told me this. The reason why you're not where you're at is because you've been crying about the thousands. But if you were to just, just focus on the one, just focus on the one person that is there and love them, not how you think they need to be loved. Don't love them. Hear me. Here, this is the power of this vision. You, we're not even loving people how they deserve to be loved. We are loving them how God loves them. He loves them in mercy. He loves them through past failures. He loves them through their weaknesses. He loves them through their mess-ups. He loves them through their frustrations. See, this vision works whether there's a thousand people there because you know what when a thousand people finally walk into the dwelling place church and I know it's going to happen I believe it's going to happen I know it I know it I can see it I believe it I declare it and when those thousands are there you know what we're going to do we're going to love them we're going to love them how God loves them but check this out even if it's not thousands, what if it's only a hundred? What if it's 125? We can still look at every single person and still love them the same way how God loves them. That's how I knew that that was division. Because whether it's a hundred or one, hear me, whether it's in the church service or at Walmart, it still works. Your vision has to be bigger than your church walls. And, and our vision, how we wrote it down, was written about building walls. And God said, no, you got to make it more plain. And you got to make it so that it passes walls. Love, you exist to love people how I love people. Whether that's in Walmart or 7-Eleven or your neighbor or your wife at home or your son and your daughter. They love people how I love people. And I guarantee you, you will build something spectacular. I guarantee you, you will build something that changes lives. 
How do you know that you have a real vision from God? When it goes past blessing you. When it goes past blessing you. I also want to let you guys know this. We also know that true purpose is not, true purpose is not confined to church walls. The Bible specifically talks about ministries and administ- administrations of offices, spiritual offices that, that he gives as, as purpose within the church, such as pastors, teachers, prophets, evangelists, apostles, right? There's, there's the five-fold ministry, right? And then God talks about the gifts, the, the Bible talks about the gifts of the Spirit and all that kind of stuff like that, right? So we know that there's purpose within the four walls of the church, but we're not ignorant to know that, that God's gifts go beyond the walls, that the gifts that God gives go beyond the walls. Wisdom is not confined to a church building. God needs people in business who have wisdom. God, God, God has, needs people in leadership outside the church wall that have spiritual influence and power. And so I want you to know this, that maybe your purpose is, to, is maybe one day to be a pastor like me. And my whole life revolves around focusing on this church. But maybe your purpose is beyond these walls. Maybe it's like Robert. Come here, Robert. Come here. This is Robert. He's a good guy. He preached last week. Watch his message. Come up on stage. Come up on stage. I believe in my purpose. I don't need need Robert to convince me of my purpose and my vision. But Robert's a man of purpose and vision too. And Robert, you could be honest. You don't need me to believe in you for you to believe in your purpose and vision. We passed that. But I would be a fool. Because my purpose and my vision focuses in this area, I would be a fool to tell Robert that he can only have purpose and vision if he stops what he's doing and be a pastor like me. But Robert would also be foolish because his area of purpose is not within the four walls of the church, even though he serves within the church with his gifts and his talents. He's a Bible study teacher, and he gives us rest so that he can preach and give a word of God. But God, he knows that his, his real purpose is within business and the marketplace, and that's where God's going to use him. So, so, but Robert will be a fool to tell me that I need to be a business owner, and I will be a fool to tell Robert he needs to be a pastor. The powerful thing is this, that God puts two people together side by side with vision that is bigger than their own pace, bigger than their own place, and says, if I get you two walking together, we're going to turn the city. We're going to turn. The, we'll, we'll, we'll turn our city around. We'll turn the community around. You can never lock God's vision to a place. You can't lock it to a business office and you can't lock it to a church address why do I say that because I want to break the mold that God can only use you in a church and maybe you've been missing purpose and vision this whole time because you've been trying to say how do I become a pastor like Pastor Ezekiel how to become a first lady like Pastor Tanya how do we become a worship leader like Jen I can sing so maybe I'm called to that maybe you're not Maybe you are called to be a businessman like Robert and raise up a banner for Jesus Christ how you serve. Maybe you are called to be that nurse so you can minister to your patients, bringing physical and spiritual healing. Maybe you are called to be a teacher. Maybe you called to work in TDP Kids, but maybe you called to work with Osceola County. Maybe, maybe, maybe you are called to do some slides in here, but maybe you're called to get into a whole other area outside of these walls. Don't limit God's vision. Thank you, Robert.
It's time for revision. It's time to think about it different. Would you stand with me if you believe this is your time for revision? I believe it. I believe it. This is the power of revision. It's not just rewriting it. It's rethinking it all together how, how God can use us. Church, God wants to do something incredible with us. And for, for, for us to really change our community, we need to be on purpose in here and be on purpose out there. How can God use you? And so you could be a church visionary and to love people how God loves people will work for you. But you can also be out in the, in the world, in the marketplace, in your community, and that vision still work for you. To love these people with my service, how God serves. Jesus said he didn't come to what? To be served. But he came to serve. He said for whoever wants to be the greatest must be the least. We're called to be public servants in the church or in our community. And that is how people will see God. And that's what God's calling us to do today. Do you believe that? I believe it. That's the power of a vision.